hope you enjoy the podcast. Jesus is not only the Savior, but he's also the master communicator. He tells the stories, he tells the parables, and he gets the attention of the listener. And he's going to be so captivating. He's going to tell the story in so captivating manner that nobody can turn away. They are astonished at his teaching. They're astonished at the authority he exudes. So Jesus Christ is going to explore the situation of anxiety. He knows that people are worried and a lot of things are worrisome back in the days when he was preaching. And then he's going to address this issue. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, we see that Jesus provides the cure for anxiety. So Jesus Christ is going to change the perspective of his listeners, of his disciples. Those who are with him at that place, he's going to change how they should think about this world, how they should experience this world, how they should respond to this world. One thing, this is for certain, we respond the hostility and the demands of this world in fear. So more than that, and like my wife says, that we are afraid of the consequences. She's right. There are consequences of not complying with the demands of the society. These demands are super high. They're so strenuous. They're stressful. Let's think about this. Currently, our world is prosperous like never before. Comparatively, we have less poverty than we had 200 years ago. Now, it is not a matter of survival anymore, at least not mostly. It is the matter of surrounding ourselves with utmost comfort and wealth. A small house that you have isn't enough anymore. We'd like a bigger one. A small car? Nope, it's not enough. We'd like a bigger, fancier, faster car. So the list goes on and on to pursue the desires of many things. And we justify our needs. We say, we want that because, and we are the best salesmen. We like to sell ourselves. We like to sell. We become our our own worst salesmen for us. We convince ourselves into purchasing and selling things that we're not supposed to. You see, according to the social psychologist Jonathan Haidt, he says depression and anxiety are through the roof. And the reason, mostly, he says, is the social media. Social media in itself is not a bad thing. It is a great thing. It lets you translate your ideas and it lets you translate your life into something meaningful if you use it properly. Like right now, I'm recording this podcast and I'll upload this on social platform and it can be used for a good purpose. The evil side of the social media has incrementally overtaken over the young children and mine and they have rendered us useless. We only display idiotic things on social media nowadays. It's interesting. It is not war or economical hardship or starvation. None of that is the issue of depression and anxiety at this point. It is social media and it is surprising to me. So it is beyond what we had expected, anticipated. So it is crazy to think that social media has taken such a stand in our lives. We are up against this different and new kind of enemy, if you if you will. The suicide rates are through the roof. Depression and anxiety is up. All of these these things are happening, and we have to ask: What are our children? What are our society? Our current generation is so worried about. What is it about social media itself? You see, social media. What it has done is it has intensely glorified and objectified the eccentricities. Not everybody can perform and keep up with, right? And look for a second at TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook. You are immediately inundated by a bewildering, questionable, 
videos and that which are extremely popular, they're viral. So everybody likes, everyone likes to be affirmed, but the social media has a different mob mentality. You see, the mob may easily reject you for your efforts. So you want to be famous and celebrity like the other people that you see, perhaps your friend, and if they get rejected the first time, they'll try again. And if they, they get rejected, they will analyze what is so desirable. Guess what's desirable? Naked bodies, vulgar stunts, unusual acts, superfluous dramas, and the attractive bodies, and so subjectively beautifying bodies. So now this person is courageous and gets on the trend. The perverted mass comes flocking to judge if this person is worthy of exaltation. If yay, that person gets to be happy. If nay, that person will deem themselves unworthy and harbor self-resentment, lowering self-esteem. So on goes the excitement of life. At a young age, kids are trained and cemented with the idea of superficial beauty, attractive body, sex before marriage. It's cool to be engaged into sexual behavior, unconstrained sexual behavior, and romanticism of depression, imitation of the trend. These are things happening, and we are being trained by algorithms. This is sad. They have to respond happily, right? The, the people who are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, they have to respond happily if affirmed by likes and comments and in frustration if not so. What happens when the society takes a lead training our children, our current generation, and to affirm ourselves in the, in the stupid philosophy in a sense of social media trends? What happens? Well, the educated mind and healthy approach to life takes a huge plunge, that's what happens. And the decision making and the overall morale of the society goes down because there's nothing to strive for. Everybody likes to be famous and there's nothing meaningful they want to get after. So for the adults, what happens? For the adults, you are to be the most successful person no matter whatever the cost is. Maybe your family, your faith, your health, doesn't matter. But you succumb to the fear that this world propagates. And the demands, you have to successfully meet them, otherwise you'll be deemed unworthy and you will not be exalted like everybody else. This is the phenomena of discontentment and comparing yourselves with other people. Jesus says, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. So th this is the point. Jesus says, the supreme purpose of man is to glorify God. We are created and designed to serve his purpose. Anything less than that brings emptiness and meaninglessness. Jesus, Jesus has intended his life to be more than simply the pursuit of adorning ourselves with wealth and comfort. The things that you're running after and incessantly running after and you're not even satisfied. And it is what we essentially pursue because wealth gives us status and influence. Interestingly and ironically, I, I must add, we'll do anything we want to pursue comfort. And the society is the example. Comfort only, only to have extreme stress to get there. Now, the first point is this. Jesus corrects our perspective of life by reminding us that life is more than food and clothings. You and I, we are created for God and to do His purpose. It is about Christ and to pursue Him should be our primary aim in life. Second thing, 
Jesus invites us to reason with him and be rationally be coherent. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his life by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I'll tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. So don't worry saying, what will we eat and what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Look at Jesus. Jesus makes this stunning case against our current world's pursuit and the worldly pursuits. We have very little control of this life and we forget about that sometime. We don't have tomorrow guaranteed for us and we forget about that sometime. And life is short, we forget about that sometime. And he's right. We can't add another day in our life. We can't be dependent on our own ability to control the circumstances of our life. It is completely up to the Creator who created us in His sovereign will. One of God's name, names is Jehovah Jireh. This means God our provider. David in the book of Psalms and chapter 23 beautifully unpacks that how, how much God is faithful. And you can see David's faith in God in that chapter and God's ability to provide for him. We should remember and contemplate this, that God is holding the whole creation in his palms. God's presence is holding everything together. The moment God releases the control of this world, the moment God removes his presence, everything will be annihilated. The earth is intact. Gravity works surprisingly well, right? Sun is at its perfect place not too close to burn us and not too far from us to freeze us with cold and tree supply oxygen. There's water. Everything works in order and cohesion. And how does, how does this happen? It is not because we created or we control this. We have no control whatsoever. And it is only because God in His mercy has allowed us to experience His goodness. It is because God is holding all these things together perfectly. Jesus asks us, aren't you worth more than the birds in the sky and the flowers in the land? He asks, this is an interesting question because He's telling us how valuable we are. Basically, He's asking, do you not trust God to take care of you? The God who sent his son, God who is making this grand, redemptive plan, he's accomplishing this in the cross. Do you not trust in him? And he's saving you from eternal damnation. You mean to tell me you don't trust him? Can you be effective by simply worrying? And can you add value to your life by being answers? Jesus asks these rhetorical questions. Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. Jesus on the other hand, invites us to trust in God for everything without worrying anything. Jesus, he invites us to be filled with faith. We should be aware that God is our giver and we need to trust in him. One attribute of God is omniscient. That is, he's all-knowing, having the knowledge of everything that occurs on the creation, anything that is happening right now, of leaf falling off the tree or the sparrow falling off the tree. God knows exactly the location, timing, 
past, present, future, and everything of that matter. So what does this mean to us? This means that God knows your situation. And we must have this confidence on the fact that God knows everything. God knows our needs. Is it really wise and fruitful to insatiably worry about things? Isn't it silly to say that I trust in God, but not to trust in his attributes, his names like Jehovah Jireh, the provider, and his attribute, the God who is all-knowing? It is silly. So we must remember next time we worry about something that God knows everything and he provides everything. That's his nature. That's his loving character. Well, he doesn't have to do that, but he does for his creation. And it is utterly silly to have any doubts on that character. So Jesus invites us to seriously look around and how God knows and provides for his creation. He reminds us not to worry about our needs. He says, I know your needs and I am the provider and take comfort in that. And now finally, Jesus is commanding us to think about the kingdom of heaven, have this mindset of heaven. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34. I always say this, we have our priorities backward. What will be the most pitiful in the end is to realize that we have misused our lives in the most inconceivable ways. That is, we have worried about things and been anxious about things that, that are completely, utterly useless in light of eternity. In light of eternity, they are not even like tiny matters, significant matters. They are insignificant. So we must, all of us, correct our disposition to fight for the earthly things. We, we, must be, we must disregard, we must dispense with the idea that we need to gather and collect things on this planet. We must not give up hoping in the things that is of the future. So we must chase after the love of God. You see, a man completely soaked in the love of Christ, cherishing the most beautiful word of gospel, can never be concerned about this world. I love how John Piper puts the issue of treasuring God and loving God in his book thing. I'm going to read that to you. The ultimate goal of life is that God be displayed as glorious because all of that he is and all that he has made and done, especially the grace he has shown in the work of Christ. The way we glorify him is by knowing him truly, by treasuring him above all things and by living in a way that shows he's our supreme treasure. Philippians 1, 20, 21, 23, and 3 and 8, it says, It is my eager expectation and hope. Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To depart and to be with Christ is far better. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Therefore, the main reason God has given us mind is that we might seek out and find all the reasons that exist for treasuring him in all things and above all things. He created the world so that through it and above it we might treasure him. The more we see of his surpassing greatness and knowledge and wisdom and power and justice and wrath and mercy and patience and goodness and grace and love, the more we'll treasure him. And the more we treasure him, the more he is consciously and joyfully glorified. This is John Piper in his book, Think. So, seek first the kingdom of God. That is simply the sincere and cherished pursuit of God. And he said, everything will be provided to you. 
What does that mean? It is not a promise of wealth or health only. Well, he might give you those things to advance his kingdom as tools, but not necessarily. That's not the point. I think it should be translated as everything that is meaningful and purposeful things to do his will will be given to you. That means he will give you what is significant in light of eternity. This is the spiritual insight. I think we all should meditate regularly. In the end, Jesus commands us to have heavenly mindset and seek after the righteous things of God. He reminds us that as long as we run after him, everything will be provided for us. So, Jesus says, don't worry. In the end, yes, there are a lot of things we want to be worried about. A lot of things we wish we had. A lot of things we are running after. We have jobs, careers. We have ministries. We have a lot of things going on right now. But if you forget to pursue Christ and to know Him and to enjoy Him, then none of that matters. Because in the end, our purpose on this life should be to pursue Christ and pursue Christ to know Him and to love Him. You want to be completely soaked and drenched in His glorious pleasure. If you're not doing that, then you will be worried. You'll be anxious about the things of this world. And that is not what God intends for us. God intends that we live in Him, we die in Him, have the mindset that Apostle Paul had. Jesus is correcting our perspective by reminding us that we need to understand that life is more than food and clothing. That means life is more than your job and all that. God has created us to do his purpose. And Jesus reminds us that we need to look around how God provides for everything. So how much more will he provide for you? And then in the end, Jesus says that you need to possess the heavenly mindset and you have to seek after the righteous thing of God and not worry about the earthly matters because God will provide for you when you need them. I hope this podcast is adding value to your life and helping you to grow spiritually. I pray that God blesses you and he be with you. Thank you for listening.